On this episode of the I-501CU podcast, I have the pleasure of interviewing Deborah Jacobs. Deborah's background is she was actually executive vice president for SunTrust Bank a number of years ago, and then she found a calling for philanthropy, became vice president for advancement at Ringling College of Art and Design. It was called something different back then. It was Ringling College, I, I believe. And then she became CEO of the William and Marie, William G. and Marie Selby Foundation, ultimately becoming CEO of the Patterson Foundation, where I got to know her. So I hope you enjoy this podcast and listen intently. She's a master at strategic communication. So for those of you who need to employ communication internally, externally, I think you will find this episode very helpful. Hey, everybody, this is Michael Corley. Just wanted to let you know we are now sending out a weekly, very brief newsletter tips, tricks, pointers to nonprofit executives. That includes both board members and CEOs, executive directors. If you're interested in receiving this, please go to thecorleycompany.com forward slash newsletter, and you can sign up. Once again, that's thecorleycompany.com forward slash newsletter. Well, welcome to the next episode of the I-501CU podcast. And what a treat it is for me today to interview Deborah Jacobs. You know, there are a few people in this world that are, are, are a friend, a client, a boss, a mentor, a coach, and an advisor. And Deborah is every one of those things to me. And she's also somebody who's single-handedly changing our community in the, the four-county area surrounding Sarasota. She just does a remarkable job. Deborah, welcome to the podcast. Would you just introduce yourself and tell people a little bit something about you and then how you got to be the president and CEO of the Patterson Foundation? Well, first, I would like to thank Michael for the overly generous introduction, and I would like to live in the space of under-promise, over-deliver with what I'm going to do through this podcast. So I am extremely fortunate to have lived in Sarasota County for over 35 years. And over that time, I've had multiple chapters of my life, and that's a reminder, actually, to all your listeners their lives are all different chapters. And it's so important that whatever chapter we are in, we are trying to do our best darn job during that chapter. We can't go backwards. We can't go to the next one. So while you're in your chapter, get it your best. So working with the Patterson Foundation actually is part of an evolving journey. And um, it evolved out while I was at the leading the Selby Foundation, the William G. and Marie Selby Foundation, where I had an opportunity to meet with attorney John Berteau about an emerging foundation. So what I learned meeting with John is that the Patterson Foundation has an unfettered charter. And what does that mean? Usually when someone establishes a private foundation, they have a geographic focus or an issue focus or a, um, a monetary focus. And in this case, when Dorothy Patterson Patterson established the Patterson Foundation, she left no guidelines other than do good and do it well. So when you are given that kind of opportunity, flexibility, and responsibility, the bar goes up. So it was an interesting opportunity for me to help shape an emerging foundation that was going to be worth more than $200 million. And um, actually, I think since the theme here is communications, I think it comes from this opportunity with um, an unfettered charter because during the year when we were buying pencils, creating a chart of account, getting a space um, and working on our values, many people in the community and quite frankly, across the country knew what the Patterson Foundation was going to be. Maybe we were going to be a Catholic foundation because Dorothy was Catholic. 
maybe we were going to be a journalism foundation because the funds came from the Chicago Tribune legacy. And then others just really wanted to know when the um, grant cycle would open so they could figure out how to come on in and get a grant. So during that year, we operated in a space of what I lovingly call Harry Potter, which is the cloak of invisibility. And because there was so much for us to figure out. So we, we couldn't share bits and pieces. It would confuse us in the world. So we were very strategic about when we announced what we were. And that gets into the theme of communication. Who needs to know what, when? And managing that process, quite frankly, is the role of a CEO along with professionals who are in the um, communication space. But it has to start at the top of figuring out who needs to know what, when, and how are we going to share that message? So um, I think I'll pause there and let you ask another question. So with your experience, so you, so this foundation comes out, if you will, and, and you, you were in that cloak of Harry Potter for a period of time, but you recognized either innately or you learned through your career the importance of strategic communication. And you touched on it a, a little bit. Can you talk a little bit more? How, how did you know it was important? And what is the CEO's role to ensure there's a culture of communication? Okay, so I'm going to do the why is it important first. Is that how many times have you been in uh, anywhere where people go, well, I didn't know that. Or how come no one ever tells me anything? Or, you know, we're the best kept secret. Or people just don't understand. So quite frankly, that happens in our personal life. It happens in our professional life. It happens in our community life. So being aware that the Patterson Foundation had this incredible opportunity to do things in ways others may not, cannot, and will not do, communication had to be at the core of what we were doing. And I'm going to go back again that the CEO sets the culture and the pace and the behavior of what an organization does. So I, I do want to share just a glimpse into how TPF rolled out and made its announcement. So knowing that we could do anything, we could have done dyslexia in Nairobi. Okay, and so what would, should we do? We decided to do nine legacy initiatives. Why did we choose nine legacy initiatives? Because there used to be nine planets in the solar system. So TPF, that's our nickname, the Patterson Foundation TPF. We were like a baby solar system. Each one of those initiatives was a different atmosphere, a different orbit, a different size. We knew we were gonna do the work, it wasn't gonna be the work forever, but we wanted to use it as a learning ecosystem. So let's pause. I just gave you a narrative so that you could either visually or mentally kind of get your arms around what TPF was doing. Because so it's how we use words to paint pictures that people can understand. So with those nine legacy initiatives, remember the world wasn't too crazy that we about the idea that we weren't going to have a grant cycle and that we were going to focus on these initiatives. So again, we had to be very conscious of how we were communicating and it, through what channels. And I think it's so important to us to remember communications is it's two way. It's never one way. Communications is not just telling. It's also listening. And actually, that leads us to one of the Patterson Foundation's fives. We have many fives 
that help clarify what we're doing and help our teams focus. But one of the fives is connecting, learning, sharing, evolving, and strengthening as we strengthen individuals, organizations, and communities. So when we think about what's sharing, sharing is one of the closest C-L-S-E-S, but also listening. And so that you've got to figure out how am I going to, how am I going to tell? How am I going to listen? What channels are available to me, us to do that? So I, I'm going to use another five at this moment. So another five is we've got the five internal audiences and the five external audiences. So if you think about your organization, um, likely you have at least some of these in the fives internal. We have the board, the CEO, the staff, the donors, and the volunteers. So while TPF doesn't have donors, we have, thank you very much, Dorothy Patterson, for endowing this foundation, we do have those four other sectors. And let, let's just dive into that before I go external. I want to dive into that. I, I will bet your listeners have been in some circumstance sometime in where they worked, where the CEO came in and announced, we're going to do this. And everyone looked at each other and said, this too shall pass, okay? Or the, because they weren't part of crafting it. They weren't part of making it happen. And it's, a, oh, here comes another one, you know, when it comes down the pike. So think about the richness that we can have when we keep the board involved, we keep the staff involved, we keep the volunteers involved. So it's not all about what the CEO says, it's what everybody else buys into and comprehends. So I think that uh, you gotta think always in terms of your e little ecosystems. So those are the internal audiences. But then I'm going to head out to the external audiences. Remember, people were waiting to find out what TPF does. And then after we did it, they really wanted to understand it. So how do we work in community? We have to work in community by connecting with people, business, nonprofits, government, and the media. And by connecting with those, communicating, listening with those five sectors, you actually might have a shot at making meaningful change. If you only work in one of those lanes, you'll do good stuff. But did it embed and spread in community? Because each one of those five external sectors has a role in building a vibrant community. So um, I'll pause again and let you ask me another question in case I missed the last one. So, so throughout that, you, you, and you are the absolute queen of this alliterations in painting a picture that, you know, the solar system, the nine, and you're right. I immediately had a, a visual of what you meant. And you talked about the fives. Uh, and of course, I'm familiar with the internal and external fives. That's by design when you do that. Very intentional. B because talk a little bit about how, how you, why and how you think that way. And then the benefit of doing that. It will. I think, uh, in fact, I'd like to add a, an adjective to being intentional. I think TPF, we work in with organic intentionality. 
all right? We have a vision of what our aspiration is, but the world changes. I mean, factors come in that influence what our aspiration is. So working with this ability with a little bit of agility and responding and listening and so that organic intentionality is another intentional phrase to help people understand how we behave and how we think. So I think it's always, words are important, okay? They're, they're just important. And I, I will do my little wine of society right now. I kind of think that we've dumbed down words, okay? And, you know, we can't do that because it, we shouldn't do it. We can do whatever we want to. But, you know, what's dumbing down a word? Have you ever been in a conversation lately where people, you know, before you finish your sentence, they go, exactly. And I'm kind of like, it, it, what I just said is not exactly anything because it's we all think differently. So I mean, using that exactly all the time, I'm I'm I I I'm like don't no don't let, pause, listen, react, but um, let's be careful of what we, words we use. So um, and if everybody's listening on this podcast and I'm insulting them at this point, I apologize for that, and I shall um, move on. Well, you are certainly talking about the fact that people do have to listen, let people finish their sentences. And you talked about as a CEO, framing topics that you want people to understand and listen to in a way which they which resonates with them or paints a picture that's very strategic. How do you look at communication from an from communicating with staff, communicating with the board, competing with external? Do you, do you think about those approaches differently? And and then how do you remind yourself to do it. Okay. Well, um, remember practice makes perfect and we're never perfect, but when you embed certain cultures and practices, it's just, it becomes a little bit more natural. So you just, you have to practice what you want to do, but I want us also to weave in here, the multiple, the many ways of communicating. You know, if we if if we always use the same message in the same channel, people will zone out. You know, I mean, people they don't want to hear things the same old way. So you kind of have to adapt to the moment that you're in. But taking advantage of various channels that you may have avail available to you, whether it's create a podcast, create a video, create a newsletter, create a morning missive that just reminds people of certain words because they see them, but used in ways that help them do their work or think about what they're doing. If we always think about not what I want to tell, but what people want to know. Okay, if we put that external, what does your customer, your audience, your, your team member, what's important to them? And then crafting your words in such a way that, that will resonate with them. So I, again, I'm going back, Michael, you said this intentionality is very important, but I want us to always think about what is another way. You know, in, in, we learned with covid we're wonderful at virtual now. Okay, let's do everything virtually. And do you watch people? They don't even want to talk on the phone anymore. They got to do a Zoom. Okay, because we, we like to see the face when we talk to them. But I want to focus in on, let us never lose sight of the importance of face-to-face, in-person communication. So that's that um, balancing high-touch, high-tech. Because when people are in a room with you and you really are doing active listening, 
um, that means a lot to people. And you are better informed as you think forward. So how do you approach communication from that balance perspective? Uh, technology is easy, right? It has really made things easy. And yet you just said the importance of in-person face-to-face. How do you create an environment that captures all of those or employs well, all of those? Yeah, I think you have to go to the, go. always go to the, why am I doing this? All right, what am I trying to accomplish? And what's the best way to accomplish that? Because every circumstance is different. It could be a, you know, a, a, a tactical thing that you want to make sure people fill out the forms to do to register for something. But then it could also be how you're trying to spark bigger ideas and bigger in, in creating a space where people are comfortable sharing what they think. So you have to, you always have to start with what the heck am I trying to accomplish and why is it important? Okay. Because we also, you don't use the same intensity that's something that's not massive, okay? Or, you know, it's it, you got to measure, monitor, think through, okay, wh- what's the best way to do this? Again, who needs to know what, when, in what ways? So I think it's a management thing. So that's what CEOs do. They, they have to, you know, manage and lead, which is an important principle on this, okay? Because leading by example, all right, I will tell you that when someone told me that I was going to have to, that was our, would be our strategic communications partner, Magnify Good, that we work with, when Sam's terms said, okay, Deborah, now you got to get on Twitter and you have to start blogging, I'm like, I don't have time to do that. Are you crazy? I, I can't do that. And now I'm like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm passionate about both social media and the power of blogging because blogging is a way to tell stories that people can see beyond the sentence. So it's, it's that remember we got to evolve. You got to lead by example and you got to do it if you expect other people to do it. Okay. But that's different from managing. Okay. Leading is having the vision and the ability to say, okay, come on, we're going together on this one. Okay. It's not being out in front. It's oftentimes walking alongside or actually sometimes walking behind as others are flourishing, but that leadership role is important in communications. And honestly, it's like crazy when a CEO misses the opportunity not to embrace the wide range of ways to listen and learn. And so are you always, as you go throughout your day, are you always intentionally seeking opportunities to to use strategic communication? I mean, is is this something that's always in the forefront of your mind? It has to be because we're only as good as people understand their possibilities, okay? If we don't continuously, look, now I can drive you crazy. So, you know, I I don't think, I think you have to measure and not be intense all the time, all right? But I think it's always in your mind, how am I making sure of what we're supposed to do? But then there's another principle that I have to remind all CEOs and all listeners, okay? Every one of us, are doing important work. Every person at date wakes up every day and you're making decisions in your personal life, in your business life, in your community life. You know, we're making decisions and we should be doing important things. But I have to encourage people to please have fun while they're doing it. If we are drony, if we are sad sacks, um, what kind of hope is that for the future? So I want to encourage all of us if we're not having a bit of sparkle and fun in our day, take a pause 
and maybe do some self-reflection. But that's even internal communications. You know, you got to do a little check on yourself. So I guess that's off the topic, but I did want to share that moment if I had it. No, I think it's very relevant. And so if there's a CEO and executive director out there says, you know what, I need to, I really need to improve my communications. What, what advice would you give to him or her? Well, I think first is look at who you admire. Okay. Who is a good communicator? Who, who, whose organization? Wow. How do they do it? Okay. And then reach out and say, might I learn from you? Okay, I, I, you know, I think it's one of those opportunities to learn from others. And you don't have to invent anything on your own. Borrowing is creative borrowing is, is a good thing. All right. So I think you look at how people communicate and how could you learn from them? You know, people will say, well, you have to have a big budget to do strategic communications. You can't do it with a lot of money. Yeah, I, I'm going to disagree with it. Is it nice to have? support of course it is but i think there are ways that each one of us again with that organic intentionality what am i trying to accomplish what are my resources that i have and remember i'm going to go back to what resources we have this is another one of those communications things if moving a mentality from to moving from a, a scarcity mentality to a collective enoughness or ha 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 collective abundance, when we look at what we have. So people often say, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough stuff. And I kind of want to go, okay, let's look at who's in our internal. Okay. We got staff, we got board, we've got donors, we've got volunteers. What do, what can they bring to the conversation and to the party? Because it's a, a people, I have a, an incredible amount of gifts and talents and we, this is an opportunity to love them show. So again, moving from this mentality of scarcity to abundance, even in communications. And one thing I wanted to ask you is, can you reference this a little bit earlier, is know your audience. You, you, you talk about different chapters in life. I'll say chapters of an organization. Let's go back to the Patterson Foundation, strategic communication. Walk me through a timeline. You start, nobody knows who you are. You want to control a message. you got zero Twitter. You're not even on Twitter. And then it continues to grow. Then COVID hits, and you responded very quickly and made sure that communication was at an ultra level, which I thought was fascinating to observe because you could really have been reclusive. We all could have been withdrawn during COVID. And then emerging out of COVID, things are changing again. Can you just walk a little bit how you use strategic communication throughout that? Well, all right. I'm going to use a concept that we have embraced, and it's called cope, adapt, innovate. All right. And it, 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 we actually formalized it out of COVID. So when there is a disaster, we all go through different phases. It's not linear, okay? It was, so we cope, I gotta get through the day. We adapt, ooh, this is a new circumstance. Okay, I think I can do this. And then we innovate. The important part about that is um, keep your empathy antenna up. So. On a daily basis, and by the way, this is a principle that works at home as well at work and in community, is if I'm having a coping day and you're having an innovating day, what do you think your shot of success is, is to get me to innovate if I'm coping? So this is where it's so important for us to have our empathy antenna up, okay? So that's just a little learning module I wanted to sneak in here on communication. But 
every remember our closest connect, learn, share, evolve, strengthen. We evolved as we learned along the way. And we knew as an organization who's interested in fostering wide participation, you can only foster wide participation if you're figuring out how to connect with people in a high touch, high um, tech manner. COVID took away high touch, well, it wasn't gonna happen. But that ability to, again, know where we were in our COVID-adapt innovate and then innovate in such a way that people really needed it. So an example is where we had um, the summer reading challenge. We didn't even know if there was gonna be summer camps anymore. And we pivoted and created this book is cool webisodes for kids and their families in their home to go on online and have a book with a super uh, community superstar talking about why this book is cool with the word vocabulary and the activities. So it's just knowing how you've got to pivot and, and optimize, take advantage of, take advantage of the lemons that are given you to make that lemonade. I want to emphasize to the audience, the cope, adapt, innovate. This is another uh, form of framing that Deborah has worked with within the Patterson foundation and really gives people context and a perspective that you could say, well, there's some people that aren't feeling good today. There's some people that are sad today. There's some people that that's too hard to wrap your head around. But when you when you simplify it in those three words were magical in terms of, oh, I, I get it. That makes sense. That's context. That's framing. Now I know how to go about my business. So that's another example of how you're just magical at using that in different alliterations and your fives and your threes. It, it makes the recipient, those of us who are listening to the message, grasp it it makes it much easier to grasp because these are complex well, messages. Well, and I mentioned earlier, you know, we were in the Harry Potter cone of invisibility, uh, yeah, cloak of invisibility. Sorry, I get my Maxwell smart and my Harry Potter analogies kind of confused. But, um, but this is kind of where we say we have to muggleize things. We're not all wizards, okay? And even muggles, they're kind of wizards, but they need it to bring it to a level that's easy to grasp and understand. So we are bombarded on an hourly basis with messages and communications. And I mean, we're just, we're, we're oversaturated. So the more we can make it simple for people to comprehend, then they'll grasp it. You said about, you know, do you do this all the time? Well, once you get a concept, it's kind of part of you and you know what it is and how you're going to use it. Well, I think that's very wise advice. Is there any time that communication is too much? Can you be over communicate? Can you be over transparent? That's a buzzword of the day. Transparency. Is, yeah. You know, can you just talk a little bit about that? Is there ever too much? Okay, so I'm going to take that in a, a, a couple of a, maybe one or more ways. So I'm going to go back with the Patterson Foundation. Remember, people wanted us to be a certain way. We weren't necessarily the way they wanted us to be. So um, we could have taken the path of, hey, we're a private foundation. We don't have to tell anybody anything, okay? And so we'll just give the money out the way we want to, deploy our resources the way we want to, and we don't have to worry about it. But really, that's not being a good citizen. So we did have to share what we were doing. Remember, not everybody liked what we were doing. And so um, it, it was actually a challenge because as much as we would share, sometimes the reaction was, 
well, when are they going to smarten up and just get back to the way they're supposed to be as a foundation? So we actually put ourselves out there for criticism. All right. And we had to just, we stick to our values. We stick and it took people time because it was different and no one's supposed to understand what another person's doing. It's our obligation to be as clear as we possibly clear and helpful as possibly can. But sometimes it takes time. So I, I, this balance of, can you over communicate? Sometimes it's kind of like collaboration. One of the snarky definitions of collaboration is collaboration is the unnatural act between adults who didn't want to do it in the first place. Okay, now that's a little snarky, but because we always say, oh, let's collaborate, but it's hard, okay? It's hard to take a fresh path, but you have to stick to the why you're doing it and focus on it with kindness and caring along the way. But I, I so some, you have to measure too much communication, not enough communication. I think it's important to be a listening and who cares? Because if you have a newsletter and no one's opening it up anymore, Try and look at your analytics to figure out, am I trending up? Am I trending down? If you're finding people are not coming to your listening sessions that are in person, there might be a reason. Okay. So I, I think we always have to be monitoring ourselves to, it's like Goldilocks. When is it too, too much, too soft, too hard, too whatever the three bears were doing out there. I don't know whether, what it was, but I mean, you got to hit that, you know, you don't want to be too this or too that on the spectrum, but you always have to be looking at it. But yeah, I, it, this is kind of like the boss who walks down the hall through the company and says to everybody looking good today. Okay, or like the tie or whatever. And you're kind of like, I'm not wearing a tie today, but thank you very much. So, I mean, you, you got to be, you got to live in your communications, not just do communications. Well, Deborah, you certainly live in communications and, and every single day you're very intentional about it. Are there any last words, anything you have not had an opportunity to share, bits of advice for our listeners about communication or about anything you'd like to touch on today? And I know that's the dangerous me opening it wide open like that. No, I, you know, I, 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 again, each one of us has gifts and the important thing is to use your gifts. You know, we often talk another little example about the cookie jar. And I do think the cookie jar is a nice little thing to share with people. So each one of us as humans, we have a cookie jar and something about being humans, we love to keep the lid on our cookie jar. And inside the cookie jar is all kinds of experiences and knowledge and assets that we have. And my theory is, is that if we would all take the lid off our cookie jar, share our cookies with others, isn't that nice because we're sharing what we know, what we've learned, what, how we can help, but then maybe we get other people to take the lid off their cookie jar. And then here we got it. We've got the collective abundance of cookies falling, flowing all over the place because we've been sharing. So I think again, as a leader, it's our obligation to help people take the lid off their cookie jar to share what gifts, assets they have so that we can do some super cool things together. Well, nobody leads by example better than you in that uh, with the cookie jar example. I've seen it uh, any number of times and you do it on a day to day basis, both internally and externally. 
Deborah Jacobs, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the podcast today and sharing your insight, wisdom, and advice on how to deploy and employ strategic communication to move the mission forward. So thank you very much for coming on today. Hey, I love doing it. Thank you, Michael, for actually doing this for the world, making it a better place. What an incredible interview with Deborah Jacobs. She's really a, a wealth of of information when it comes to communication, among other things. She's just such a, a wonderful leader and a really good, strong leader. So here we are with recapping with Reed. Reed was listening intently. And Reed, share with the audience your three key takeaways. I know there were more than three, but your three key takeaways. Yes, there were a ton of takeaways from that conversation. My first thing is to, it's not all about what the CEO says. It's about what everybody else buys into in the organization. Yeah, we're here. So that's important for the CEO to understand how he or she is communicating. Uh, people may be interpreting things differently, and it's your job to make sure you explain things in a manner that will be received how you want them to. That was a really good point. What's number two, Reed? So number two is to move from a scarcity mentality to a collective abundance mentality. Yeah, especially from strategic communication. Not everything's expensive. You can do it. It's just a matter of an effort and taking the time to do it. With social media nowadays, which is free, there's a tremendous opportunity to enhance your communication communication. And what about number three, Reed? Number three, as a leader, keep your empathy antenna up. And I guess just in general, you don't have to be a leader, but keep your empathy antenna up. Well, I tell you what, the world is really an interesting place right now. And people are going through different phases of the cope, adapt, innovate that Deborah talked about. And you're right. So a good leader, keep that empathy antenna up because not everybody's having, you know, uh, an innovate day. Sometimes people still have cope days and things are challenging. And that uh, a, a good leader will will adjust their message, adjust their approach based on that. Well, there you have it. Recapping with three, the, read the three key takeaways, his three key takeaways from our interview with Deborah Jacobs. We look forward to seeing you, I-501, see you next week before the, when our podcast will drop next Tuesday. Thank you much.